Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Let's all stand. Let's go ahead and go into the Lord to the Lord in a word of prayer and ask him to bless this Bible study. Amen. Amen. Let's pray right now. Jesus, Lord, we give you the honor, the glory. Ask your Lord right now to speak to us here today. Give us revelation. Show us, God. Help us to understand your will. We thank you. We love you. In the name of Jesus, amen, hallelujah. Amen. Turn around and greet your neighbor and welcome them to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. We want to thank the Lord for allowing us to be here today. It is a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I want to thank the Lord for um, just for waking us up this morning. Amen. It is a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. Lord have mercy. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 8, and uh, let's go to verse 22. Mark chapter 8 and verse 22, and the title of the preaching is A Strange Place. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Strange Place. Amen. Praise the Lord. Mark chapter 8, and let's go to verse 22. The Bible says this, and he cometh to... Bathsheba, and they bring and, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him that to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of the town, and when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees. Walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Everybody say clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to anyone in the town. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can close your Bibles right there where you're at. Amen. Or you can go ahead and get your pads out, whatever you want to do. Amen. To follow along, it's up to you. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit about a strange place. Uh, Each and every one of us have been there at a strange place where uh, you get a new job and uh, sometimes you don't know what to do. They hired you on, and you're trying to find what to do, and uh, you want to work, you want to do certain things, but you just don't know what to do. So you, you're just there uh, without any kind of guidance or direction, and then when they do give you guidance and direction, it's not all the guidance and direction that you need. So it seems like you're in a strange place. You feel out of place. You feel like uh, you are 
in a place where it's hard, it's difficult, you know, sometimes you feel, man, I don't even know if I should keep this job. Because I don't, you know, the way that I feel, and it's just starting off. And you know in the back of your head and your mind that it is the way that you feel. It's just the way that you feel and the way that you see it. So uh, you know it's going to pass, and it's not always going to be that way. So I want you to understand that when a strange place happens in your life is when you have no control over the situation. Can you say amen, church? Turn to your neighbor and tell them no control. There's some people that uh, get, you know, can't stand that when they don't have any control over the situation. There's, there's some people that just can't stand. They need to be in control of the situation all the time. Can you say amen, church? If we peel back control, if we peel back uh, all these things, uh, as far as somebody being controlling of the situation, it is called fear. So the person is being afraid of the situation and they want to be in control of everything. Can you say amen? So I want you to understand that the Bible uh, talks about uh, a blind man. And uh, the Lord is pulling, uh, first of all, these men that are taking him out of the town, out of the city. They bring him out of the town and out of the city in order for Jesus to touch him so that he can be healed. The problem with that is he gets out of his environment and then he gets out of his comfort zone. God will, will always pull you out of your comfort zone to take you to the next level of your life. He'll all, the Bible says after they took him out of his house, they brought him to, the, to Jesus. Then the Bible says Jesus got him by the hand and took him completely out of the town. So if you look at familiar, to be familiarized, a blind person goes with familiar, to be familiar with the surroundings around the person. He counts the steps. He counts how much to the restroom. He counts how much to the kitchen. He counts how much to the front door. He, everything that he does, he counts. He's in control of everything around his house, around his area. So pretty much what happens now is when you are in control, you know you play it safe. You're safe. You're good. It's an environment that you're safe at and you're comfortable in. You know how many steps. Some of you don't even have to think about it. You just open it and it just happens automatically because you're so comfortable in your house, so comfortable at the job that you don't have to think twice. It just happens. You just get up and boom, it's there. And you already know that it's there. So when a blind person uh, is moved out of the environment or out of the situation or where he's at, he loses his comfortability and his, uh, his area of what he knows is supposedly step by step, two steps here and, and let's go to the kitchen and let's go to the restroom. And he knows I got to take six steps over here and then I got to turn around a little bit and go over here for the sink and then I got to go over here for the stove and I got to hit this for the microwave and he's very comfortable in the area where he's at because that's what he's used to the comfortability so then when he is taken out of that comfortability and now Jesus takes him to an environment where he has no idea 
what is it all about, takes him out of the town that he recognized that he grew up in, that he's there, and now he takes him out of that town. As a matter of fact, it was a, a, a Palestinian town, and uh, I think it was Andrew, Philip, John, and James grew up in that town. And the Bible tells us that here, he takes him out of that town, and he takes him in a place of non-familiarized. So now he, he doesn't know how or where to go, and it's very difficult for him because now he's uncomfortable in the area of where he's at. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand that some of you went to Midnight Cry. Some of you, the Lord spoke to you at Midnight Cry, gave you a message, and told you to get out of your comfortability. Can you say Amen. And now it's time for you to have actions to step out of your comfortability and not be in the same spot. It's like if the blind man would tell the ones that brought him to Jesus, hey, take me back to inside of the town and back to my house without getting healed or without getting delivered or setting free. It's you coming back to the house of the Lord and then the Lord gave you a vision, gave you revival, gave you power, gave you anointing, and gave you a vision of what you needed to do, and then we go right back to the slot of where we were at. Can you say amen, church? That's not what God wants. God doesn't want you just to go ahead and go back to comfortability. As a matter of fact, he's going to take you out of that situation in order for God to have an encounter with you in order for you to get uncomfortable, in order for him to have some kind of relationship with you. Can you say amen, church? You gotta get uncomfortable. Turn, turn to your neighbor and tell him, you gotta get uncomfortable. You would be too comfortable with your, with your husband, you would be too comfortable with your wife, you become too comfortable with your children, and it's time for some of you to start praying and fasting and getting a hold of God like you never have before. You know, this five-minute prayer ain't going to cut it. Can you say amen, church? You, you don't have a five-minute situation at your house. Can you say amen? You don't have a 10-minute prayer situation. I'll pray in the car, Pastor, on my way to work. You don't have that kind of situation. You have a bigger situation than that. So if, you, if you're not taking time out to pray and get a hold of God, then you're telling God, you know what, it's a minute thing. You know, you can just answer me and let me know what's going on. But there has to be some sacrifice in your life. And there has to be another area of your life where you have to get out of the comfortable area and start getting to where God wants you to be. Can you say amen, church? It's easy. It's easy to function in when you're comfortable, in, in the easy part, where, you're, where you know everything is where it's at and what it does and how it does. But the moment that the Lord took this man out of the town, grabbed him by the hand and took him out of the town, he didn't know nothing. He didn't know if the bushes were there. They were... He was hitting his feet with his sandals and scraping his feet and everything else. He had no idea because now he was taken out of comfortable and now put into an unfamiliar area in his life. So God 
is doing a tremendous work in your life, but just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean that God's not with you. Can you say amen, church? Just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean that God's not with you. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. It's okay. So I want you to understand that God will take you to a place where you do get uncomfortable in order for him to be introduced in your life. He will take you to a place and you have to be willing to go with him and be willing to say, God, you take me here because it's in that place is a strange place. That is a strange place because you don't have no control over what God is trying to do in your life. And that becomes a strange place in your life. You're like, has anybody had the, the uh, when you, put, you punch it into the car and your directions, and the directions are behind you? In other words, you're already at the street, and the directions are trying to catch up to you? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like slow. You're like, man, what's wrong? Nobody doesn't like to know where they're not going. I want to know exactly where I'm going and when I'm going and how I'm going to get there and where I'm, what route I'm going to shoot for. Can you say amen, church? But the moment, the moment I don't know, panic sets in. Can you say amen? Frustration sets in. You start, you start talking to the, to the radio or whatever it is. And tell you, like, if it can listen to you, like I say, okay, sorry, sir, I'll, I'll correct it right now. Can you say, <laughs> you start telling it, hey, this dumb car and this and that. You know, for being a smartphone, it's not so smart, you know what I mean? Anyways, the moment that you lose that, you lose the direction, all of a sudden you get frustrated. You're like, man, it, it, it's, it's staying, I'm coming up more and it's behind me. And this is why some people get frustrated because they're in a strange place and it's very difficult for them because they don't have no control over the situation. Well, it's the same thing when the Lord takes you to a place and there is no control whatsoever. That's a strange place. And when the Lord takes you there, it's an encounter where God wants you to encounter with him, to be with him and to go to the next level of your life. And this is why it's uncomfortable. God will never go to your comfortability and say, okay, uh, since you're so comfortable, let's go. He'll take you out of being comfortable, and then he'll show you what you need to do. Because some of you are too comfortable in the situation that you're in, and he needs, to, he needs to shake it out. He needs to shake you out of that situation in order for you to say, okay, here I am. Do whatever you want with me. Show me what I have to do. You know, we had a brother, we had a, and when I was in the program, we had a brother that was in the program for 50, 30 years. <laughs> I'm just letting you know, he was in the program for 30 years. I was already married, had kids and everything else. I graduated, had kids and married. Man, I think I was a pastor already and he was still in the program. Can you say amen, church? <laughs> I'm just letting you know. And... Because when you're comfortable in one area, you don't want to move for nothing. 
You don't care where, where it's at. Some people are so comfortable in jail that they don't even want to go out of jail. They're ready to get in trouble and stay in jail. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Because you get so comfortable in an area where God can't even speak to you. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand that God will shake you. God will put you in a place where it's unfamiliar. And it's, it's a strange place. A strange place is where Paul and Peter were at. Um, I mean, Silas and, and, um, and uh, Peter were at. And they were in the jail. And the Bible says that here they started to pray. They arrested him for preaching the gospel. And they arrested him and they put him in jail. And they, they put him in the inner, inner part of the prison. They didn't just put him in prison. They put him in the inner, inner part of the prison. They put him in the deep hole. And, you know, they didn't have lights back in the day. You know, night light, you know what I mean, HBO. They didn't have any of that stuff. They just threw you in the hole and just left you there. And you need to understand, we, I went to one of those, I went to Rome and I seen one of the prison cells. There's nothing like the cells that we got today. You got dirt on the bottom, hard dirt, and the, and the door is not even a door. It's like a window of a cell, a small, half a cell, a half a cell door. And they open that one up and they toss you in. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. So I want you to understand that the when you're uncomfortable, God is going to take you to a place where you're so uncomfortable that he can speak to you. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand that when God starts dealing with you, he starts doing some things in your life. And when God starts to move in your life, you're not supposed to say, Lord, what's happening to me? You're supposed to say, Lord, help me and give me the strength to go through with what I have to go through. You're not supposed to say, change it, Lord, please change it. The Bible says that God will, will allow you to go through it because he says, there is, he, he understands that you can go through it. The, as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he won't put you through nothing you cannot handle. That he will allow you to go through it because he knows you can handle it. So I want you to understand that when this, young, this, this blind man came out of his environment, it was because God wanted to do a miracle in his life. And God wanted to do changes in his life. You know, sometimes change is not easy. Can you say amen, church? Sometimes you don't want to change because you're so comfortable in that area where God called you and you say, man, I'm good. I understand it. I'm good right here. And that's not what God is calling you for, to stay there. No, you know, anybody who's in the kingdom of God, you have to get familiar with the word change. Because you will never be the same every day. There's going to be a change happening in your life every day of your life. Constant change. Constant. And the reason why is because the Bible's telling us that he will work in you day by day. And there's a working progress inside of you day by day. So there's constant change. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you need to change. Change, ya parale. You need a change. There has to be a place in your life 
where you start to change. You can't be the same that you were last year. If you're still the same that you were last year, something's wrong with you. Because God is the God of, of progressing, moving forward, amen, being uplifted, take you to the next level. That's his nature. That's what he does. You can't stay in the same spot. Amen. If you didn't have a job last year and you don't have a job this year, something's wrong with you. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Some people got used to the checks from the state. And you just stay stuck in that one area. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? You just got used to you. Put, you parked it. You're not even cruising no more. You put it on park and you just parked it right there. So I want you to understand that here, when, the, when the, they brought him to Jesus because he had a need and he wanted, he wanted to be healed. You know, when you have a need, you don't care who's around. Amen. Get me up. Carry me over there because I'm about to get my need met. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand that here when all of a sudden now the man is being led from Jesus, he's taking him out of the town. And he's trying to take him out of the town. And one of the things is, is because here he wants him not to be in a familiar place. Everything becomes new to him. Everything becomes brand new. The Bible tells us that he's, he was blind, but yet uh, the Lord starts to pray for him. And the moment he starts to pray for him, he starts to see, uh, the Bible says that he starts to see, uh, kind of like bleary, sees men like trees, and he starts to see, wait a minute, I'm, I'm breaking through. Here, let me, let me explain to you what I mean. A lot of people preach on the second touch, but I want to talk to you on the first touch. And on the first touch, God is doing the process in your life where you sometimes don't see it clearly. But the Lord is touching you and there is a process in your life where God is trying to take you to, from one place to another. And when God starts taking you to one place from another, it starts to change the concepts of what you used to see and how you used to see it. So the blind man was starting to see, wait a minute, I see men like trees. I, I, this, I'm seeing this and here he's looking and Jesus is touching him. And this is one of the things that I want you to understand is there's a process that happens in your life where God starts to deal with you on a one-to-one -one basis. And you have to have change every day of your life because God is doing a process. There's a process. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there's a process. You don't just come to church and bing, you're a super Christian. Pastor, I got this. Don't worry. I'm going to pray for two hours. <laughs> There's a process. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there's a process. There's a process. You, and there's nobody perfect in the house. I said there's nobody perfect in the house. We all have a process. You got to go through the process. Now, if the man didn't have the attitude of show me or take me, then he would have been stubborn. 
And he would have said, hey, you know what? No, I don't need that. I don't need Jesus. I don't need the Lord. I don't need a touch from him. I'm fine. I'm comfortable right where I'm at. And it's time for us to get out of the comfortability and get to the place where the Lord can, can actually do a miracle of, for your unfamiliar, unfamiliarized in your situation. You got to get out of the situation in order for God to bless you. You got to get uncomfortable. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you got to get uncomfortable. You got to get uncomfortable in order for God to go ahead and take you to another place. What's, let me tell you something. Pain is the catalyst to change. You got some pain in you, you're going to want to change. Matter of fact, you, wanna, you want to go ahead and pray just a little bit more. Let me, let me pray just a little bit more. Leave me alone, brother, please. I want to pray and get a hold of God. I just want to seek the face of the Lord. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you got some kind of pain in your body, man, that's a catalyst to change. You're like, man, I don't want this pain no more. I don't want to feel this pain no more. And you want to seek the face of the Lord. Some of you want to seek God until the pain leaves. Can you say it church? So this is one of the reasons why God takes you to a place so that you can, you can start to see some kind of vision. You got to have a vision. The vision was coming to him. See, you got to have a vision. Turn to your neighbor in time. You need a vision. Problem with some people is they ain't got no vision. They ain't got no vision. They live from day to day. They live from, from Monday to Tuesday. Don't tell me about Wednesday because I'm still on Tuesday. Can you say amen? <laughs> there is no vision there's no vision about a paycheck. There's no vision for a job. There's no vision for your family, for your son, for your daughter. There's no vision for nothing. It's just, we just live just to live, Pastor. Amen. When the Bible says, without a vision, my people perish. You need a vision. And everybody needs a vision in order for God to take them to the next level. Because some people will use the vision, but if you get a vision for six months, that can become your downfall because you have no more vision. You finished it, now all of a sudden you go down because you finished your vision. Now you get one for five years, you got a five-year vision. Just make sure within those five years you get another five-year vision and another five years so that you have a 20-year vision. You need to have a vision in your heart and your mind. And why do I tell you you need a vision? Let me tell you something. Because some of you have no goals, no ambition, no nothing. And here, when you have a vision, the vision tells you what to do and what not to do. If you have a vision for a company or you have a vision for a ministry, and somebody comes to you and tells you, hey, come on, let's go over here, let's do this. You tell them, nah, man, get away from me. I'm working on my vision. I got I to gotta get, get to my goal. I got to get to where God wants me to be. Hey, you got your kids in mind. You got your wife in mind. You got your husband in mind. You're, you're trying to shoot for the goal. You're trying to shoot for what, what God is trying to do, show you in your life, in your heart, in your mind. If you had no vision, you just go, yeah, let's go. Find yourself in trouble, messed up, all tore up. And you're just like, oh man, how did I get myself in this? 
Anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? A person with no vision is just like an emotional wreck. They're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. They don't know whether, which way to go, which way to do this, do that. They don't know what is purpose. They don't know what, which way to fly, which way to go this way. They have no idea because they have no vision. Vision will tell you what not to do and what to do. Vision will tell you, they tell you, hey, you know what? Let's stay up and, and play Nintendos. You know, you got grown men playing Nintendos now or, or uh, PlayStation or, you know, Nintendo was back in the day, but PlayStation or PS30 or whatever it is. You got grown men at one o'clock in the morning playing Nintendo and not doing their, their responsibility for waking up at six or seven to come to prayer. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the house. You got some people that are not even taking care of their responsibility because there is no vision. There's nothing there. So they'll stay up whenever they want. They'll go to sleep whenever they want. No big deal. Let's go ahead and play here. Let's go here. Let's go over there. No big deal. There is no responsibility. So when you don't have no responsibility, it doesn't matter. You can go to sleep whatever time you want. Wake up whatever time you want. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand you need to have a vision. The Bible tells us that he begins to see, and when he begins to see, God starts to, he starts to open up his heart and his mind in order for God to see that he's seeing what is, is in front of him. You have to understand that if you do not have a vision, it is going to be hard for you to serve God. It's going to be too hard. I'm telling you. I know what I'm telling you. Because you're going to think that it's an everyday, it's okay, just go ahead, trust in the Lord. I'm going to waste my money and just trust in the Lord. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? you got to trust in God. I'm going to spend all my money today, and I know God's going to make a way tomorrow. Lord, have mercy. So I want you to understand that here the Bible starts to tell us that the Lord told Abraham, I need to pull you out of your place. I need to get you out of your land out of your family, out of your land, and I need, to go, I need you to go to a place with milk and honey. He goes, oh, okay, so he gives them a vision. He gives them a vision. He tells them, go to the desert, and the vision is what drives him out to the desert to be with the Lord. He had it made. He had his house. He had servants. He was rich. He had it all together, but the Lord had to get him out of his comfortability take him into the desert in order for God to use him for his honor and for his glory. Can you say amen, church? There's a strange place. Listen to me. Abraham went into a strange place. Abraham went to a strange place when he was asking the Lord, okay, where do you want me to go? And the Lord would tell him, okay, go over here and go, go do this. And he goes and he does it. Then he tells him, okay, go and go sacrifice your son. And the Bible tells us that he, or he takes a knife and he's about to sacrifice his son and the angel stops him. You don't think that was a strange place for Abraham? You don't think that was a place where, man, I, gotta, I don't know what's going to happen next. I know God's telling me to do this, but it's hard for me, but I'm going to do it anyway and I'm going to trust in the Lord. And I don't know what's up ahead, but I know God's going to make a way. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the house where it's a strange place in your life? God will take you to those strange places in your life 
where it is very difficult for you to be in control of your own situation. And this is why God takes you there in the first place so that you're not in control. So then the Bible tells us that here he starts to see. And as he starts to see, he starts to visualize. And God is still touching people today. They're not where they, they want to be, but they're not where they used to be either. We're not perfect in the house of the Lord. We're just forgiven. Can you say amen, church? Can you say amen, church? Come on, somebody. Give God a round of applause. And the Lord is telling him, do you see? Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody comes to me and spits on me, can you say amen? <laughs> they spit on you, you're just like, hello, wait a minute. This is deep right here. Because Jesus, the Bible says Jesus spit on his eyes. Can you say amen? <laughs> That's what the Bible says. And a brother spit on you and say, hey, I'm just trying to heal you. Hey, brother, I'm, I see you. Fine. You, you, I'm not blind, brother. What's wrong with you? <laughs> so I want you to understand that here, when, when it, I can see the DNA of Jesus being transferred to his eyes. I can see that. I can see the DNA just being transferred over to his eyes and him never seeing and now he's looking at men like trees. And he's like, oh my gosh, the Lord is doing a transformation and he's doing a, a, a powerful work. There's some of you that God is touching and trying to do a transformation in your life where God is trying to transfer power and anointing in your life and it's a process and God is going to move in your life and God's going to do something great but it's the process that's taking place and you can't stay in the same spot. You can't stay in the same spot. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't stay in the same spot. Can you say amen, church? So I want you to understand that when God starts to touch you, there's a, something that's happening. The Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means you've got to change your mind. If you don't change your mind, uh, then it's going to be very hard for you to serve the Lord because the Bible says the way that you think dictates how you live. So if you do not believe that you're good enough, then you're not going to be good enough. If you believe that God can't do it, then God can't do it. That's why the Bible says for you to call upon the Lord and he'll show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. For you to call upon the Lord, that's your privilege. That is your privilege. In the kingdom of God, that's your privilege. To call upon the Lord and he'll show you great and mighty things. Can you say amen, church? <coughs> so I want you to understand that when the devil comes and tries to, uh, try to go against you and try to say certain things, the devil's a liar. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's a more powerful uh, entity happening with inside of you. And God is doing a tremendous work inside of you. More powerful than you have any doctor, any lawyer, any judge can do. God is doing the transformation in your life. 
And when you start, and God starts to deal with you on a one-to-one -one basis, brother, it is a privilege to be dealt with from the Lord. It is a privilege for God to deal with you on a one-to-one -one basis. It is a privilege. I thank God for that. And let me, let me explain what I mean because you can, you, the Bible says a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man will hearken to counsel. Look it, you don't know how to serve God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you don't know how to serve God. So we're learning. We are learning how to serve the Lord on a daily basis. Don't ever think you got it down packed. Don't ever think that you have it all down. Hey, pastor, I got it all down. I got this. Don't worry. You know, I'm good. That's the devil is a liar. I want you to understand that people are still learning how to become Christians and how to become Christ-like. If you've been serving the Lord for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30, 40, 50 years, they're still learning how to serve God and getting new revelations all the time. Can you say amen, church? This thing never finishes. So you're going to have to learn how to put God first in everything that you do. Change is number one. You got to change. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, change. Can you say amen, church? Okay, let's look at this. He came from his town. Jesus took him to the edge of the city. And now all of a sudden took him out of the city. And now he's starting to see. That means there's progress. God is looking for progress in your life. Can you say amen, church? You need progress in your life. You can't stay the same. He's looking for progress. That's why he asked him, Do you, can you see? He says, I see men like trees. He said, okay, now the vision is coming to pass. Okay, now you can go ahead and start getting to the next level. You couldn't even get to the next level until you got to that level. You can't even get to the, the second level I'm about to go to until you got to this first level of me touching you and getting to the next level of your life. Of you even wanting to go ahead and come out of the city and saying, I don't care if you spin on me. I don't care what happens as I'm sick and tired of being in the same condition over and over again. I don't care about the, the accommodations. I don't care what you feed me. I don't care what's going on. I just want to change. I just want you to change me. I want you to do something great in my life. And I don't want to be the same anymore. Come on, does somebody know what I'm talking about in the house? Give God a round of applause. When God touches you, you don't care less of how he touches you. You can sit down, you can lay down, you can do whatever, speak in tongues for a half an hour. When God touches you, you can care less about what anybody says. Can you say amen, church? And you know, the thing that... that uh, that happens to each and every one of us. We come to a familiar place, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, a strange place in our lives because we are out of the familiar, the familiar place and we're no longer there. And sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it gets very scary because you see yourself. You see yourself, you need to change.
You got anger, you got hostility, you got frustration, you got confusion, and you see yourself and you see it in place. Man, I got to change this. I can't be like this no more. Man, I'm selfish. I can't do this no more. I don't want to be selfish no more. I want to I become a different person. Has anybody ever been there? When you told yourself, I want to change. I don't want to be like this no more. I know I have. When I first came to the Lord, I, I was like, I was floating on cloud nine. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I got baptized. I even went into the pastor's office and told him, Pastor, there's no trials. I don't understand. Man, I'm good. Jesus is good. The Lord is good. The sky is good. Everybody loves everybody. I love Jesus. He looked at me and laughed and he told me, Bro, don't worry. You're going to have a trial pretty soon. I think it was two days later, I was going through a trial and I said, man, I said, I never went in that office. Can you say that? And what happened was, when I first came to the Lord, all of a sudden now I started seeing the anger and the hostility and the frustration that I was in and uh, the anger and the jealousy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. You see all that stuff and you're like, man, what's wrong with me? You start looking at yourself and, you know, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to see yourself because, you know, you don't like yourself. You, you just don't like yourself. You, you hate yourself. And you're like, man, I got to change this. This is stupid. This is so dumb. What do I act like this for? You know, and, and, and when the Lord started to show me, because... You know, I got the scripture that says, you know, search my heart, Lord. Make, see if I have any sin in me. I got the scripture. I would go in prayer and get a hold of God and say, man, Lord, help me to become the man of God I need to be. And, and the Lord started to show me. Do you know that when God, uh, God wants to take something out of you, I take that back. When God wants something out of you, he's not going to take it out of you. He wants you to start overcoming it. He's not going to take it out of you. He's not going to go in there and, and open you up and just say, oh, anger, come on out. Just close you up. Say, you're good. No problem. After three or four of those problems, jealousy and lusting and hate and lying, what are you going to need the Lord for? Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> so you need to understand that you got to learn to overcome and the more that you learn to overcome, the more you need God on your side every day of your life. The more you overcome, the more you need God. The more you need. The deeper you go in the Lord, the deeper you go in God, he's going to he start reflecting because you're asking the Lord, Lord, make me the man of God I need to be. And God shows you the problem right in front of you. And then when he shows you the problem right in front of you, you can either do two things. You can blame everybody else for the problem you got. Or else you can say, man, that's a crazy problem and I need to overcome that thing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So you've got to start looking and self-examining, getting a vision of what God wants in your life up ahead. The Lord is going to do something great. Now the Bible says that he restored him and he saw every man clearly. I'm trying to explain to everybody that your hope is that God gives you a vision 
that's very, very clear. And God's going to take you to a place of restoration where you can see what God is doing in your life. And it's not a guessing game anymore. You're not going to be guessing what God is doing. You, God is going to show you a clear vision of what God wants to do in your life. It's called a purpose. You are on the earth for a reason. You are here for a reason. You're not here just because you were born. You have a purpose in your life. Everything that was made was created for a purpose. The bench you're sitting on is created for a purpose. The clothes you have on were created for a purpose. The watch you have on, uh, if you wear a watch, uh, it was created for a purpose. The car you drive was created for a purpose. Everything was created for a purpose. You don't think God created you for a purpose? Come on, everybody has a purpose in this house. You were created for a purpose. You weren't just created just to be created and be born and that was it. You, you can't create, you can't, dis, you, can't uh, you know, go ahead and start creating your purpose. You have to discover your purpose. Because God created you for a purpose. Some of you have your cars and you have, all those buttons are for a reason, but some of you don't even know what some of those buttons are for. Can you say amen? You don't know what that, that funny one looks like. You, you're like, what is that, man? I keep pushing it and nothing happens. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've had the car for five years and you're like, I don't know. Just leave it alone, man. Just leave it alone. Can you say amen? It was created for a purpose. You just don't know what that purpose is. You don't want to go into the manual and you don't want to find out what the button is and you don't want to waste your time and what that purpose is. Can you say amen, church? So God will create, God created you for a purpose, for a reason. You have to start looking. That's why the Bible says, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. If you go to the Lord, the Lord will open doors for you. And he, if you start seeking, God will open doors and allow you to see and allow you to see clearly what God is doing in your life. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. Okay, so um, time is running now. So I'm just going to go ahead and go with this. Uh, then he goes to the last verse and says, And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to anyone in the town. He says, Look, I don't need you to go back in the same spot where you were comfortable at. I healed you. I delivered you. I set you free. I don't need you going back to the same spot. I need you going back to the same drug dealer. I don't need you going back to the same hood. I don't need you going back to this. I need you going, taking somewhere else where God wants you to use you for his honor and for his glory. I don't need you going back. You don't go backwards. You got to go forward. You got to give God all the honor and the glory and get to a different place in your life, a different area in your life. You can't stay in the same spot. You can't go back to the same city. Man, you're going to fall in place and you're going to fall right into the same environment and the same attitude, the same, the same thing all over again. You're crazy. He said, I don't want you to go back to that town. Matter of fact, I don't even want you to go back in it. Don't even talk to nobody in there. I don't need you talking to anybody in there. I need you changed. 
I need you to go. Some of you looking up old friends on Facebook and looking up here on Instagram. You're looking up this one. I remember back in the day, Pastor, I remember. Por qué? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let's, I just want to see what they're doing. And then I'm going to shut it down. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You want to go back to the day how it was. You want to go back. And I remember when I used to, yeah, yeah, finally, it's already gone, man. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Yeah, it's over. It's done. Anybody know what I'm talking about now? He tells them, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. I don't even want you talking to them. I don't even want you going back and saying one word to them or what happened to you. Because everybody's too comfortable in that place. And when they're too comfortable in that place, there is no change. And you can't go back because you're going to get the same... Evil communications corrupt good manner. So the people you talk to, they'll tell you all kinds of stuff. And you go fall right back to the same spot. You need to change that attitude. Change your heart. Change the environment that you're in. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, change the environment. Because if you change your environment, God will change your situation completely around. The devil is a liar. You look things new. You have a vision. You have a passion. You have something totally different. God will see things. You'll see things totally different in the eyes of the Lord. And you say amen, church. Do you know in the kingdom of God, the Bible says, greater works shall you do than these? Jesus said, greater works are you going to do than me. That means that you can go to somebody that's in need and you tell them, come here, let me pray for you. God's going to heal you, God's going to deliver you, and God's going to set you free. Come on, somebody. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You got to start believing that God can use you for his honor and for his glory. That's kingdom mentality. I believe God can fill people with the Holy Ghost. I believe God can deliver them. I believe God can heal the person. We just don't want to talk about it. We want to demonstrate it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? I want to talk about it. You got too many talkers. You need some doers. Can you say amen, church? Amen. Just turn to your neighbor and tell them, just be a doer. Just be a doer. Yeah, your actions speak louder than your words. Can you say amen, church? Amen. The devil is a liar. Amen. Let's give God a round of applause. If you receive something from the Lord, give God a round of applause right now. Come on, let's all stand.